This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk. I'm your co-host, Jim Cromer. Let me welcome in my partner in crime, Spiker Helms. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Hey, I want to remind everybody, Youth Baseball Talk is brought to you by The Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. We encourage you to check out The Rope Trainer at theropetrainer.com. Uh, great product. I'm excited about uh, everything we got going with them. Obviously, we have The Rope Report now, um, and we had the interview with Chris Verna. Uh, interestingly enough to me, uh, the, the, the rope was kind of built off the old towel drill. And if you check it out, you're going to sit there and say, well, why do I need the rope? Why can't I just do the towel drill? Well, if you listened to last week's episode, uh, you would have heard exactly why, as the scientific data backs up, that the, uh, the rope trainer provides so much more and, and in a much healthier environment than the, the old towel drill as well. So make sure you check them out, theropetrainer.com. Um, I uh, want to encourage everybody, make sure you check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. That's where you'll find the podcast. It's also where you can subscribe to the show. Uh, we would appreciate that. Getting a little notification each time we turn out a new show, and uh, it just allows you to listen to it at your leisure. Follow us on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball. If you're a baseball person, you follow us. We're going to follow you back, we promise. Uh, it's a great way for us to engage with you guys and know what's going on out there in the baseball world. Same way on Facebook as well. Just find us, Youth Baseball Talk. Like our page, share our stuff. We'd greatly appreciate it. At the end of the day, if you're involved in this, you're probably around people or involved with people that are as well. If you share it, they're going to find it, and we're just going to keep spreading the message. Uh, and we may learn something as well, and that's what we're hoping here is that, you know, through, through communication, through reaching out, through social media, that we'll learn something that we didn't know before. So uh, if you could do that for us, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and, of course, special thanks to everybody at lineupmedia.fm, the fastest-growing podcast network on the planet. If you're into podcasting, which you obviously are, you're listening to this show, check them out. I guarantee you they have another show that will tickle your uh, entertainment fancy, as they would say. So uh, special thanks go out to them as well. Uh, excited about the show today. Uh, Spiker and I have kind of been on this kick of you know, seeing things. And social media, to be honest, uh, is both <laughs> – it's kind of like a, a blessing in disguise sometimes, but also it can be a bad thing. We've seen that. But sometimes, uh, to me, if you learn from a bad thing, is it a bad? I don't know. That's kind of a, a conundrum there. But I will say this. What we're going to talk about today is something that social media kind of gravitates to, and that's like controversial type things, especially when it comes to baseball. We're going to talk about the dreaded, well, we're going to call it the bat flip. But the bat flip to me signifies much more than the bat flip. It signifies to me the way kids will approach the game. And we always talk about kids emulating their heroes, which, you know, their heroes sometimes are baseball players. So Spiker had sent this to me, and this was obviously after the, the Jose Bautista thing. And it's, it's almost a captivating topic anymore because of the play that it gets on ESPN, on YouTube, on on social media, so we thought it'd be a great topic. So, Spiker, I think um, I think you know. his bat is still in orbit <laughs> from from the playoffs two years ago, and it's and he flipped it. Um, people that don't know um, the backstory, 
Jose Bautista against the Atlanta Braves ends up hitting a massive home run. I mean, they, he absolutely tattooed it. There was no questions asked that that ball was getting out of the ballpark. And he ended up bat flipping. And I don't think it's the bat flip that was the controversial play. It was his stare down. And that's what we're going to talk about. It's like, when is it okay to bat flip? Or when is it okay? Like, Is it ever okay? Is, yeah, you know? is it I mean, ever okay? Um with youth with youth players, you see it all over Instagram. And if you're not on Instagram, if you just type in baseball, you're going to run across at least two or three posts of a young kid, a young cat, a high school guy, or even a youth baseball. It's getting down to youth baseball. Kid hitting hitting a massive, massive tank and then flipping it. And he has no idea why he flipped it. He just does it because he saw it on TV. So where we're going with this is – is it okay for our youth baseball players and our high school baseball players to be bat flipping? Well, here's what I'll say. I, without question, I'm an old school guy to some degree. I mean, I say that like I'm probably that blend of old school and new school. Like I think they can coexist. Most people don't think they can. I do. I want emotion in baseball. I like that. But I also, but then. I would say I want controlled emotion. So people say, well, you're asking for something you can't really have. And I sit there and go, well, why not? And they say, have you ever been emotional? I mean, it's not controlled. That's why it's emotion. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that makes sense. So I guess what I want is an unrealistic, re- never going to be reality type situation. I guess what I'm saying is something in the heat of the moment, something that is pure reactionary, to me, is okay. Like the home run he hit in the playoffs – I understood that one, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm saying – th- No, that, no, no, hang on. No, no, that me, bat was I touching know, the, I know. the let, roof. Let me, let me finish. It, was, it wasn't planned. It wasn't staged. It was pure emotion. And then you watch the World Baseball Classic and we say, man, I wish they'd play like that. Well, then we tell them they can't play like that. You know, so I, it's kind of a catch thing. It was like uh, like I love Terrell Owens when he would do some of his stuff. I don't like the stage touchdown celebrations. I like the reactionary ones where you look. You know, I I just I don't know. It's well, what weird. About, what about him going to the star and being in the star in the middle of the field? I, I, that, you kinda, I just I it, mean that's that it, 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 it makes uh, Jose Bautista look a little well, bit better, right? So I guess what I'm saying here is that I think there's a time and place for things, but. I also believe this, and here's the problem. I also believe this. I'm going to go to the the Dustin Pedroia, Manny Machado thing. Because not that it directly relates, but the attitude directly relates. And and what I love about Pedroia is when they, and if you don't know that, Manny Machado slid and his spike went up and it caught uh, Pedroia in the back of the leg. And it looked a little dirty. I think if you played the game of baseball, I'm not quite sure you would have felt that way. But at the end of the day, it's like anything. You're responsible for what you do. So Pedroia's answer when they asked him about it, he said, hey, I think I'm really good at turning a double play. I think I'm the best in the game, and he's going to come at me. This isn't seventh grade baseball. Okay, so Pedroia was kind of saying, hey, what, what do you think we're doing out here? Okay, I get it. Now, I also believe that, yeah, that's fine. And then Pedroia goes on to address it later on because they wind up hitting Machado or, or throwing up at his head or whatever. It took him like eight yeah. times to hit him. It, it, it becomes an issue, right? So then they go back and they ask Pedroia again, and Pedroia says, listen, let me explain it to you this way. If I go in hard 
If I get an opportunity to go hard at Manny, I'm going to go hard. And if I catch him, I expect to get hit the next day, and I go down to first base, and it's over. So that was Pedroia's way of saying, look, there you can play how you want to play, but then don't get upset about the consequences that come with playing that way. So here's my deal. So if Jose Bautista wants to flip his bat, then take the ball in the ass the next day and go down to first and don't say anything. But see, then when they try to do then you act like they're, you're above that and they can't do that. See, now we got a problem. Yep, I agree with that. Now, here's how this relates to our show. Okay? At what level do we start saying it's okay to address this at a youth level because are we going to sit here and say that if some 10-year-old hits the crap out of a baseball and flips his bat, he should get drilled his next at bat? I, you know, can't I mean, that sounds a little illogical to me, but so does a 10-year-old flipping his bat. So where's the line? And, and here's the real problem. We know we have a lot of people out there that don't know where the line is. So now we got a real issue because it's going to start happening. If it's, I can't, I'll, there's got to be people listening to this show that'll say, no, it is happening. I saw it. I saw a kid get thrown at at 10 years old because the other team thought he was, it's got to be going on. I think it's a respect thing. Well, do kids understand respect? Uh, That's what we teach them as adults, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, going back to my career, I think the first time that I ever bat flipped and my bat flips were like real lame. They were very conservative. <laughs> They're like spike. That wasn't, that wasn't a bat flip, but it, it, I did it because it was a celebration. I, I, I do agree with the Dominican culture when they say that it is a celebration. It was never to, um, overshadow an opponent and say, Hey, I got you. It was more of, Hey, I just hit one out. I'm happy. Let's go. Um, so with, with youth players, I mean, with my guys, they I if they bat flip, just expect. I mean, at the high school level, expect you're probably going to get plonked. But at the youth level, I mean, I don't I don't know how I'd coach that. I really don't. Well, it, I, think I think that's more for you, Chris. Well, I think when I was younger, it wasn't a bat flip as much as it was a like a like a stare. You didn't really flip your bat. It was the big thing was hit it pull your back and watch it before you start running. And then they address that in Bull Durham. Yeah. You're going to stand here and show up my pitcher, run dummy, you know, the whole bit. So that kind of stuff, I think, um, But goes you on. never stared down a pitcher, though. No, that, no. Like that, like Jose yeah. Batista stared yeah. down the pitcher. Right. And you know what I've said before, though? You know who one of my favorite, you know, and, you know, for those of you that listen all the time, you're aware we're in the St. Louis area, so I'm a Cardinal fan here, proud and true. One of my favorite pitchers that that I did get to see was Chris Carpenter. Now, what I liked about Chris Carpenter was he embodied everything we had ever heard about Bob Gibson, who's another legendary Cardinal. I obviously did not see Gibson pitch because mm-hmm. of my, but I've seen the clips. And if you're in St. Louis, baseball's such a rich tradition. You know so much about Bob Gibson that you feel like you watched him pitch. And one of the things that you understood about Bob Gibson was he was a fierce competitor. You know, and so here's my thing. Here's what I've always said: as much as I love the legend of Bob Gibson, as much as I loved Chris Carpenter. Do you know how many times, and I can even throw Adam Wainwright in this, who's probably more of a recent guy for, for younger people listening to this show. Do you know how many times I've seen those guys get big strikeouts at the end of an inning and come, come off the mound with their fists and, and screaming? That's very true. Okay, so why can they show emotion but a hitter can't? Okay, maybe, now. Maybe because it's at the end of the inning, that's why. Well, I, again, it's, it's, it's reactionary. I don't think it's staged. It's reaction. It's a big moment. Hang on, it's a big moment, it's a big strikeout, and he's reacting. Well, uh, if he hits a home run, that's a big moment. 
you but know, you never see that in between. Well, I, and like during the game, like it, say it's one out, and then he ends up getting a huge strikeout. Maybe it's because he still has work to do. Where the batter doesn't have work to do, he just hit a home run, so his his his, his position is completely done. He's he do, he's did his job. So I, it, it's it's a, it is a. It is a struggle, like between what what is accepted and what is not accepted. Um, <laughs> I, really, yeah. I, it, I, it, it see, there's the problem. It's such a gray area that no matter what side you lean on, you can get yourself in real trouble here. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about kids. Yes. So you can get yourself in trouble real quick here. And and again, do you agree with the nine year old bat flip? No, no, well, no, obviously not. I absolutely do not. Now, okay, so what would be the what would be the punishment if 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 he bat flipped and showed up everybody? What 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 would be the punishment for that? Well, again, okay, here I'll throw it back at you because you run a very no 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 seriously we'll we'll have a conversation about this. Okay, we'll do it both ways. Um, I ran a team that was independent of an organization, but but I ran my team that way. Mm -hmm. Like I I. I hate to say this. I coached my team. Okay, I didn't show up and throw some BP, and and I mean, I coached my team. Um, so you run a very respectable, highly skilled, properly run, quality organization. Thank you. Top to bottom. Thank you. Okay, so I'm gonna. We can go. I'll go first, or you can go first. Whatever you want to do. Okay. I would have to believe. Here, let me start. If it was me. It doesn't matter if he was eight or thirteen because I, I had these kids from seven. I had them from seven to thirteen. Mm-hmm. This this exact group. I had two teams. My older boy, but this group I had from start to finish. If it would have happened at any time, okay, I wouldn't have embarrassed the kid. I wouldn't have made it made a mockery of anything. I would have privately said, "Hey," and you got to be realistic, folks. I would have said, "I know what you. Did. I know why you did that." Okay, you didn't just come up with that on your own. I mean, that's you're watching guys do something. I'm not here to tell you. I'm, your parents can tell you right from wrong. But what I'm going to tell you within the game of baseball is it'd be no different than what I tell my older son as he got older in life. You're now doing big boy things. Big boy things come with big boy consequences. They also have big boy responsibilities that you're not big enough to handle. And if he looked at me, I'd say, let me explain this to you. When you get older, if you do that, you're going to get a baseball thrown at you. Do you want a baseball thrown at you right now at nine years old? Do you want it thrown at you? Okay? I don't want it thrown at you either. So let's not do that. And then I talked to him about respect, respecting the game, respecting your opponent. Those are the things that I would do because here's the deal. What are you really going to tell a seven- or eight-year-old about bat flipping? I mean, All you can try to do is teach him something about life, yeah. right? Because, again, the seven- or eight-year-old didn't invent the bat flip. No. He saw it somewhere, posted somewhere by an adult, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how I would handle it independently. Now, my situation was much more intimate because, I mean, obviously I'm talking about a set of 10 kids, 20 parents. Mm-hmm. You run an organization. Now, what I, where I was going with that is, is that then it's a very simple conversation for me to then have with the parents and say, hey, listen, I just want you to know I talked to him about this here. But I said, you can enforce this however you want at home. Yeah. But see, there's the problem. 
are the parents going to get involved? Because this isn't this is not just a baseball thing. This is a respect thing. This is an attitude thing. This is a generalized opinion thing. So you know, again, now we're going overboard almost. Now we're sitting here saying, "Well, did he rob us? Did he steal something? Did yeah. he? Did, no." But but we also we got to understand what the bat flip is. It it's not like a little flip. It's the one that ends up going, you launch the bat completely into the sky, hopefully hitting a plane or a helicopter. Yeah, but for me, the bat flip's just a an example of anything. Here, it's like a the bat flip for me in this could be a stare down. It could be slamming a ball. It could be That's true. screaming and hollering. It could be it could be anything. Or the even bat, going after a player, yeah, like sliding anything, way outside the baseline. Anything. It, the bat flip for me is just an example to me of... Well, I saw all the other things. On, I mean, it's on Instagram. I saw a catcher actually go after a runner and take him down. Like that's that's almost the same thing. It's like well, you're, like this is all in perspective of respecting the game, respecting your opponent, and and playing inside inside the rules of the game, where it these unwritten rules, um, like Bryce Harper, he it, he's always claim that well, not always claim but he has that persona of i want to rewrite the rules of baseball well he wants to he okay I, here's what i would say about bryce harper i don't know bryce harper but my guess is is he's talking a little bit about what i'm talking about he'd like to be able to have some fun while respecting the game now what what do we know about that that's a really hard thing because what is it it's a very gray area yeah. and, and that but but so are the unwritten rules of baseball now some people would say they're not real they're not real gray they're they're black and white, and it's as simple. You don't do this, mm-hmm. and if you do this, here's the consequences. Hitters are tired of it, and they're saying, "Okay, what do you have? You got your ball. I got a bat here. How about I run out here with this bat? But I can't do that. But you can throw a ball at me, and then you can claim you didn't mean." To. Maybe that's what it is. It's a war on pitchers. Maybe that's what it is. Because <laughs> like, uh, if you think about it, back in the '80s and '90s, pitchers really dominated it, and they they could do what you said originally is after a big strikeout or a big inning they would they would get fired up and they would scream and everything like that and you never saw the hitters do that they would just like they'd hit their home run trot around the bases and say oh good job nice job guys okay so let me ask you that here's what's funny i used to say this all the time so like depending on what you're talking about i love to show i love to show the uh the broadness of my my love of, of for things okay so like i tell people all the time my two favorite like musical acts are Led Zeppelin and Neil Diamond. Okay. So that's a wide range. Okay. So in baseball, what do I love? Okay. What do I love? I love the excitement, but I also love the unwritten rules of baseball. It, it, you couldn't get any further from them. Now, what I believe is, is that you can enjoy both. Now, maybe that's a pipe dream. Music's easier because it's my choice. Baseball, it affects other people. So how do you keep it under control? Well, again, I think, as a youth coach, it's easy. It would be easier in my situation because I'm running a team now. For you, let, let's let's now let's flip it over to you because okay. you run an organization. My guess would be, knowing you, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, but you guys have probably and you do. You guys run an unbelievably quality organization. So my guess would be, in in an effort to avoid issue, you guys have probably addressed this topic and said, "Here's how we're going to go about this." I'd be shocked if you haven't said. We're going to get pretty, pretty. We're going to send a constant message of what we think is appropriate and not appropriate here. I'd be surprised if you haven't done that. Well, I think it's in. Yes, we do. 
we we have we have players manuals and um what's expected throughout the year and the players read read the manuals and um it's it's called the tiger way and every day it's kind of like we, we give that expectation like this is what we expect from you every single day so i don't think we never run into that problem at the, at the high school level youth level um I, I'm not for sure because I'm I'm not at the youth level constantly with them. I'm I'm in and out, but I w- I would assume it's the same thing with the expectations. It's it, we expect a very high um, a high respect for the game. Well, and again, it, if you start teaching, you start teaching at a young level, knowing it's not going to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even going to be perfect at an older level. But if you start instilling it at a younger level, it's much easier to expect and to enforce at an older level when kids become much more mature, when they understand consequences and things like that. As a young, as a young kid, it's no different than raising your child. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can teach and teach and teach at a young age, but is it going to be perfect? No. So what are your expectations? Not, for me, the expectation would be in the teaching of right and wrong when it comes to this, in order to what? In order to avoid conflict. In confrontation on a baseball field at 10, 11 years old, which we don't need in any way, shape, no. or form. But it's also to lay the foundation for the understanding of respect. And what are we really talking about here? The life lesson of baseball, which is, you know, respecting your opponent, respecting the game, respecting yourself, which translates into what? In life, respecting other people, respecting yourself, dreams, passions, whatever it is that your 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 thing is. It's, again, it's another life lesson. So what's that message? And, again... You know, for a pro baseball player, am I saying that they should think about in that moment the effect that what they're doing has on kids? Am I saying that? Yeah, I guess I am. Um, if you're okay with it and you think what you're doing is okay, well, all right. But as I go back to uh, Dustin Pedroia, he says, hey, if I go hard into Manny Machado, and this was his, this was his message to everybody, including Manny Machado and the Baltimore Orioles. Okay, if I go hard, I'm going to go hard because that's how you play the game. But if I cross the line, I'm going to get hit and I'm going to run down to first base. That was was also his way of saying, now, here's the problem. Here was the wrinkle. See, here's what we haven't addressed, and that's the wrinkle. Okay, Manny Machado goes hard into Dustin Pedroia. Manny Machado the next day takes one in the thigh or the leg or the ribs. After eight pitches. He goes down to first base. Well, he got one by the head. Yeah. And now we're into another unwritten rule of baseball. The head's off limits. So now we've added another wrinkle into it. So I guess if you had your time machine and you go back and Manny Machado catches one in the butt, if he goes down to first base, maybe this thing's over. Yeah. But he got it in the head. So now we got a real problem. See, this is the gray area of the unwritten rules that escalate. Now, what I don't need, and I can assure you is, I don't need some reporter telling me what we should and shouldn't be doing, which is uh, upsetting to me. So that'll tell you the other end of the spectrum I'm at on this. Let the players handle it. Yep. I believe that. And in youth baseball, hopefully you have a coach worth his salt that will handle it. There's the problem. Mm -hmm. A lot of times coaches don't handle it. Seriously, well, I think I think the advice that you gave um, earlier, if you're doing big boy things, becomes with big boy responsibilities and big boy I think problems. The, I think that's the quote of the podcast this episode right now. Is with the bat flip, 
it's if you do big boy things, you have big boy responsibilities and expect what's going to happen. Big boy problems come yeah. with it because, you know, um, it, I, I, think it, I think you could fix it this simple. If, you know, if a young player come to me and said, Coach, what do you think of my bat flip? You know what I'd say to him? You know what I'd say to him? You know what I'd say to him? What would you say? I'd say, that's pretty cool. I said, how, how, are you going to enjoy getting hit? And he'll look at me and I'll explain it to him. Because I'm going to say, listen, if you flip your bat like that and somebody hits you, what do you want me to do about it? There's nothing you can do. Okay. You know, I, that's, that's a situation. Listen, the like, bottom I line is I we, do with my I, it shouldn't be happening at the youth level. No. And, and it's not just the bat flip. But I know what you were getting at, and this is a great topic because, you know, there's emotion involved at the youth level. We don't want to make it an emotionless game. But it should be fun and exuberance. It shouldn't be staging. It shouldn't be up, up, showing somebody up. It shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. There should be a certain amount of respect. You know, I, I coached for a long time, and, you know, we won some games in some dramatic fashions. And I would, I would you know, there'd be the typical, if you scored a winning run, um, you know, the, there'd be a dog pile at home. And I would give them, a, I would give them the five, ten seconds, say, okay, guys, let's line up like we've done this before. I'm not going to take away the exuberance and the joy of the moment, you know. I mean, I've seen coaches do that and go the go the whole, go overboard. Come on, stop it, stop it, stop. What do you what do you mean stop it? Okay, you just won a game in the bottom of the sixth inning or whatever it was on a base hit. You expect a bunch of ten year old kids not to be excited. That, that's the worst. Let them be excited yeah. for again. I give them the ten seconds to jump on one another or pile on or what or or just you know all come out and hit him on the head. Whatever the situation called for. If it was a slide and he's on the ground, whatever it is. Give them ten seconds. Let them feel it. Let them enjoy it. It's, I'm not saying it's ten seconds. My, you, I, hopefully, you guys understand. I'm not being literal. My point is, there's a certain amount of time. You give, know, you, you know, know what it is. You're you not. You listen. There's it. Quit ignoring the fact that you don't know. You do know what the that that you. It, it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. When it gets to be like, okay, that's enough. Say, hey, go, hey, guys, let's line up. Okay. Give them the time, but let's line up. But don't sit there and do it and do it and do it and disrespect the other team. That's number one. And don't go the other route and don't let them enjoy the, the, the thrill of it at all. And then we would always tell them, respect your opponent. Always, I made my kids, whenever we would win a tournament, I would, after we received our stuff, I made them go back through and shake the hands of the, you know, yeah, I always line you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, it could, and I had some parents ask me that. They're like, you guys have already shook hands. Why do you do it again? And I'm like, to respect their opponent. Mm-hmm. To respect the other team. That's why I do it. It's just, it's just that. It's just that. They have to understand that in the game of baseball, they could have just as easily lost as easily as they won. And if that's not the case, then you need to go find some better competition. If you're not playing games that when you show up, you're not sure if you're going to win or lose, then you're not playing the right competition level. I think that's a whole nother podcast, but that's yeah. the truth. If you don't look at that thing when you got done and think to yourself, that was, you know, we could have lost as easily as we won. Mm hmm. You know, that's the respect that you want to feel. And at the end of the day, that's what we should be doing this for. I think the I think the best atmosphere I had with, with celebrations was college baseball, just because you had that respect factor. Oh what yeah, but that's that's the ultimate love fest for the I know. game. You yeah, know what I, mean? I know. Like but I mean like when, when you're when, after you have a big moment, coach would always say, Hey, make sure that you respect your opponent after a big win. And and again, you have to go through the line, so you don't want to do anything completely Sure, crazy sure because then you're going to get probably clocked right but well again to me I, I that's what i love about college baseball but 
I you should strive for that at the youth level as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, you know, again, this is all teaching moments that we have the opportunity to do. If you're listening to this show, you're either a player, a coach, or a parent. You have, so all three of you have the opportunity to make a difference and assist in helping people to understand this. This is not a topic that deserves to be talked down to. No. Like there's no reason to take a kid and go, you know, you've been doing I've been t-. no, that's not it. It's a it's a conversation that you need to have about respect for multiple things here. The game, your opponent, how hard the game is, mm-hmm. how humbling a game it is. I mean, I used to say like I had a kid, again, you're right, Spiker, this is a great topic because I had kids like joking around at practice and you know what I you know, it's funny. I just thought of this. I'm just sitting here telling you what my replies would be when they'd ask me all this. I'm going to give you what I actually did say. Oh, it's actually happened to you? Well, not in a bad way, but I oh. mean, the fun and part of it. Oh, okay. You know, seriously, like the kids are standing around all doing fun stuff, you know, as before we get going. And I think one time I did actually say, I love it. What are you going to do when you strike out? What's your, what's your, what's your move when you strike out? <laughs> and they would look at me and I'd say, because you're going to have a lot more of those than you are those tanks. I know. So what's our, what's our move when we strike out? <laughs> I said, you know, that's why I always talk about coach. You know, the, the high school coach here, he always says, you got to learn to live right here in the middle. If you live too high, you struggle with the lows. And if you live too low, you know, so you got to find a way. I said, so what are we going to do? If we're going to throw our bat when we hit a big home run, what are we going to do when we strike out? We're going to cry. We're going to slam our bat. What are we going to do? Or have that you know lame reaction? Yeah, when the yeah. What are we gonna do? Call, yeah, like yeah. The, what are we gonna do? So you or know. like the shaking of the head? Yes, that was a strike. Like you know, no, stop. It, it is interesting though. But like you know, it's funny. Uh, on one of our previous shows when we were talking about the process, I had brought up a young man um, that I had the opportunity to coach when he was very young, and then watch him progress. And you know, he's a freshman in high school, and he's already committed to Louisville. Mm-hmm. And um, we talked a little bit about his story, and I they played a. Uh, uh, they played a high school game last night at the, the minor league park down at GCS Stadium. Um, so I went down to watch, and obviously my older son's a pitcher on the team, a senior. Mm-hmm. Playoff so, game? No, no, this is the last regular season okay. game. They do it every year. They play Waterloo at GCS Stadium every year. Oh, I don't know about every year. It's been that way for a little while now. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's funny, uh, he, he obliterated a baseball last night to where to the point of, if I wasn't there and somebody came today and told me, I would think they were exaggerating. But I saw it with my own eyes. He literally hit a ball last night. It had to be – there's no way to know for sure, but it was minimum between 450 and 500 feet with zero wind. Hit over the double wall? Well, I'm going to tell you, you – you've been there, right? I've, I've I'm going to tell you exactly where it's I at. i played there, yeah. So it's 381 to right center yep. to the first wall. Mm-hmm. Then, it, then you've got the grass between. At the top of the grass before the second wall is a flagpole. And then there's the sidewalk, and then there's the back wall. He hit it over the flagpole and over the back wall in right center field. So over the grassy knoll. Yeah, yeah. Over the over the big wall. Over the big wall. And now here's the over thing. The, over on. the pole? Over the pole. So here's the wow. thing. Here's the thing. Oh, it, just, just to let everyone know, it is hard to hit a ball in that gap at GCS. Like the wind out is at a, all. It's a crosswind. But hang on. I will say this. When I got there, I got there early because I had a meeting with the, the Grizzlies about something else. So I happened to catch Waterloo taking BP, and they didn't come close to hitting any out in BP. The wind was kind of cross-blowing in, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, this kind of stings. I was hoping to see if Drake could hit one out tonight. Now, now, mind you, I've seen him take BP in there before as a 13-year-old and hit 7 out of 14 out as, as a 13-year-old. Okay? It's a long story how that how, why that happened, but um, 
So I was like, eh. and, and, and again, I've seen him hit four home runs this year against the wind in high school as a freshman using a BB core bat against the wow. wind to center field. Okay. So he has, and we talked about it. He, you know, he's hitting 450 foot home runs at Pro Player Stadium yeah. and everything. So he's a, he's a monster. He went right? to the power showcase. So hang on a second. Yeah. So last night, it's the fourth or fifth inning. He connects on a fastball, and I'm not kidding you. I was sitting in the outfield. So I wasn't behind and saw. I actually saw it from the side angle. I saw it clear the back wall by 20 feet and go over the flagpole. So I saw it with my own eyes, and I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it. So my point is, and and it, he didn't bat flip or do anything like that. Just drop the bat. Well, I mean, he Lance Berkman he, style. I, I love him. Nice he, I like him. He's Lance, got. He's Lance got. Berkman had the best bat flip, by the way. He just hit it. I love how he. Just, he like, I love how he set like, it down. Oh, he'd be I, like, I'm, I'm putting it to bed. I'm going to read it a book. People and then I'm would go. say, yeah, people would say, look, Lance Berkman, and I'm like, no, he doesn't, but he does something else that's that's kind of like his own way. I love it. I used to love the pull it, pull it back, set it down, drop it. I loved that. It was my favorite. Pet, pet the bat. While it was. It was awesome, but. You know, it's funny. We're talking about this, and I'm thinking, man, if there was ever a time to flip your bat. But you know what? They were down three to nothing at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the kid had thrown a no hitter to that point, so it was the first hit of the game. It's like that's the you perfect know, time to bat. Well, bro. it's like you know, it's like it, you know, and I love Drake, but he's got some baseball stuff that he does that I've told his mom and dad. I'm like, man, I'm gonna pop him if he doesn't stop doing this. <laughs> the, that when he wa- he walks a lot, you know, they walk him, and and he'll. Unstrap and he'll drop his oh, bat. Barry Bonds treatment. He drops his bat and his thing, and the kid on deck's got to come get it and throw it up. But the kid on deck does it too, so it's like it, you know he's got his own problem. But that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, that's a whole like, nother. But hey, let's get all the. But armor let me off. tell you something. He completely obliterated this baseball last night. The Darren Hendrickson, who does this show, mm-hmm. was there and he was sitting by on plate and he said, "That's." That's four hundred seventy-five feet. I he got goes. I don't have percent ride right now. He's him. like, I don't have one kid on my college team can hit a baseball like that. He goes, this is unbelievable. This kid's a freshman, and I'm like, but expect the phone calls. Well, he's getting them already. Oh, I, I mean, can like only I said, imagine. I think he's committed to Louisville. Yeah, he's committed to Louisville. What are they? Second number two team in the country. But you know, but that's the thing. So, you know, here's a kid that's been hitting home runs his whole life. Okay, and. You know, what if he was bat flipping and nobody said anything to him? I mean, what a, what a mess that could be. So thankfully, he's not doing that. But um, you know, you know I, what? You know, hey, what I, I know him, and he's a great kid, but he probably wants to a little bit. You but. know what I don't get is that like Jose Batista has been hitting home runs all his career, and then now he's starting to bat flip. I just don't get it. Like, why would? Well, let me ask you this question: Is he, it, he is, wants media attention? He well, has well to want either it. that or now is it an is it a stick your middle finger up because of what happened? Again, I believe the first one was just sheer like. Mo- share the moment joy like exuberance like like i i can't even think about it because of what was going on yeah but now it's turned that into, was a big moment but now that was it's a huge that's huge right moment. but now it's turned into i'm gonna show you yeah and you know what hey listen and when he got popped by rognet odor that was crazy odor got him good hey again it goes back to what did i say before you want to do big boy things they come with big boy consequences Jose, Don't stand here. Jose was not expecting that. No, he wasn't. He was just like, oh, we're just going to come up here and we're just going to push on each other. Nope. <laughs> Straight fist right to his jaw. But it's just like, oh, my goodness gracious. But, no, listen, I, again, I think what, I think our message here is very simple. Respect the game. Teach respect to the game. Demand respect for the game. Because it will translate into respect for things that go on in everyday life. 
And that's just, I don't, I don't understand how you can allow a kid to be disrespectful within the game of baseball and then get upset with him when he's disrespectful to anything that goes on outside of the game of baseball. And that's our role. Hey, listen, I've said it a thousand times. That's one of our roles as coach, mentor, program director like yourself. I've said it a million times. You're going to affect somebody's life, whether you like it or not, if you choose to take on this role. So take it seriously. Best player to emulate by far, Derek oh. Jeter. Pretty good. I mean, that, that, that's the guy. That is the guy. You never see – Derek Jeter would never bat flip. And that guy hit a lot of big home runs, had a lot of big plays. He would just do a nice little fist pump and that would be it, and then he'd move on. I mean, he was he was the ideal guy to really emulate your game after and how to really approach the game and uh, approach media and um, popularity. I wish I wish he could play for another twenty years because the guy the guy handled his stuff really well. There's a lot of them. You could talk about yeah. things you like. You know, I used to like the way Scott. It's funny. I like a slow home run trot, but I also like the way Scott Rowland used to put his head down and run around the bases. Oh, the guy, I love it. The guy just you know the Rosales, it. the guy I've had on the show before. When he hits a home run, he it's like he tries to to run the bases as fast as he. It's I love it. I love it. I again, I love just general joy. Mm-hmm. That's genuine. Genuine's the word I'm looking for. Yep. So authentic. Good topic, bud. Yep. Enjoyed it. Hey, uh, want to take a moment here before we uh, get to our weekly contributors on the other side and and take a time take the time to welcome in our newest show. Uh, again, you know the show is brought to you by the Rope Trainer. We encourage you to check out theropetrainer.com. Uh, Kirk McNabb and the gang over at Dirtbag Sports have partnered up with the Rope Trainer to bring you the Rope Report each and every week. It's an opportunity for you to uh, to hear a little bit about it. I get all the time, Jim. I get it, but like, what do I do with it? How's it work? Blah, blah. And they do a great job of that. But they thought they'd bring that to you uh, through our uh, show, and you know they've earned that right, obviously. So each week we're going to bring you this Rope Report. So let's hear uh, Kirk now from Dirtbag Sports. The Rope Report brought to you by theropetrainer.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Rope Report, brought to you by the arm care specialist, The Rope Trainer. As always, I'm Kirk McNabb of Dirtbag Sports Nation, and I'll be your weekly host of The Rope Report. Thanks to all of our regular listeners, and for all of you first-time listeners to The Rope Report, I welcome and thank you for joining us. The purpose of The Rope Report is to always talk about and share all things Rope Trainer related. I was going to spend some time this week talking about John and what he's been up to with his travels as an MLB broadcaster, but we've had so many outstanding questions and comments from all of you that I felt it was way more important to talk about the two main questions. One, I'm interested in buying the rope trainer for my son, daughter, or team, but how do I know it works and isn't just another gimmick? And the second one is, it's too expensive. Let me start by answering the first question. There's four major reasons why the rope trainer is legit or we wouldn't have created it or be doing this show right now. The rope trainer was invented by Earl Perrin. Earl had to retire from pitching because of an arm injury. He spent the last 15 years in Florida coaching, as well as 14 years being a pitching and throwing coach. Arm health, arm strength, and throwing mechanics are everything to Earl, and thus the rope trainer was created. John Smoltz is an MLB Hall of Famer, an MLB broadcaster presently, who has 100% put his stamp of approval on the rope trainer. John has turned down hundreds of opportunities, and he chose this because he knew immediately from using it that it works and does everything necessary to warm you up, train you, create arm and body strength, as well as giving you instant feedback. Let's be bluntly honest. 
Every one of you listeners know that John Smoltz doesn't need to endorse or approve any training tool out there. But he did with the rope trainer because he knows it works, not because someone told him it works. Three, Chris Byrne is a professional trainer with 29 years of experience specializing in rotational movement and flexibility. He's John Smoltz's trainer and functioning consultant, as well as a host of other professional athletes. Chris also consults the Linden University baseball team, who now use the rope trainer with all their pitchers year-round. He spent his professional life dedicating himself to how the entire body works in relationship to sports activities with throwing mechanics being at the top of that list. Just like John, Chris doesn't have to improve or endorse any product, but he chose to approve the rope trainer because of his 29 years of experience dissecting proper warm-up and proper body parts necessary in throwing a baseball or softball properly. He validated the rope trainer as being the proper training tool for throwing mechanics by using one himself. He didn't rely on someone else to tell him, and it worked. Therefore, it's easy for him to approve 100%, just like John. Fourth, my promise every day for Dirtbag Sports Nation is that overall training, strengthening, and flexibility program and partnering of baseball products, college recruiting services, etc. will only be the best for every customer we deal with. Every individual or company we work with has to be as passionate about all areas of baseball development as we are. Each and every product has to be something that we use personally so that unquestionably we know that it works and trust it 100%. We are a start-to-finish company that offers training, training products, bats, gloves, college recruiting services, and apparel with the purpose of creating serious fun and development for our customers as well as our partners while never being afraid to roll up our sleeves and being a flat-out dirtbag. The second question I received over the last week, the price is too much. First off, I recommend getting the triple threat trainer or three rope trainer because eventually as you grow, you'll need it anyways. Let's compare and get really serious about the cost of the rope trainer versus the cost of pitching instruction. The triple threat costs $99.99, the dual threat $82.99, the rope trainer $64.99. A private pitching coach costs you 60 to $90 an hour every time. This is a cost and feedback comparison and not in any way meant to lessen the quality of the coach working with your son or daughter. Cost-wise, it is obviously a no-brainer when you look at the real facts. But just as important is the feedback you get from the rope because it has no emotional attachment to you. It's going to give you true and honest feedback 100% of the time. Whereas a private pitching coach needs you as a customer to pay bills so they could or will tell you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. I see it all the time. Don't forget that the rope trainer isn't just a pitching training tool. It's a throwing training tool for every player. I'm Kirk McNabb of Dirtbag Sports Nation, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening to this week's episode of The Rope Report. You can become part of the rope revolution by going to perfectpitchandthrow.com. To get your own rope trainer, and be sure to follow The Rope Trainer on Facebook and Twitter, at The Rope Trainer, and on Instagram, at The Rope Trainer 1. You can stay up to date with all things Dirtbag Sports Nation on Facebook and Instagram, at Dirtbag Sports Nation, and Twitter, at Dirtbag Sports. Keep those comments and feedback coming in, all you dirtbags, and I'll see you right back here for next week's episode of The Rope Report. Because like John Smoltz says, The Rope Trainer is a product that will revolutionize the game. It not only works, but it's the best pitching drill trainer ever created. Good stuff. Really enjoy it, Kirk. Thank you so much to all of Dirtbag Sports and, of course, theropetrainer.com. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers.
Okay, let's go to one of our other weekly contributors, Justin Stone, with his EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Justin, take it away. Thanks, Jim. And this is Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv coming to you with the tip of the week. And recognizing that a lot of listeners of this podcast are probably dads or coaches themselves, I want to today speak directly to you. Today we're going to coach coaches. And there's so much in the coaching industry, if you think about it, that goes into negative criticism of players. We're always trying to bring about some sort of change with our players for the better. Our intentions are good, but usually comes out when the player does something in air, something that we think that they can do a little better. So today I'm going to come with you two things. Things that you can do as you get ready to start your off-season practices to promote positive changes in a positive way with your players. And number one, the energy you bring to practice. I hear all the time, and this is usually with older players, oftentimes we hear coaches upset at the end of the game of that we didn't play hard enough today, and that was the reason for our loss. Or we didn't bring enough energy to the field. We're not communicating enough. It becomes very stale at practice or in a game setting. We played very flat. You hear all those negative connotations that come associated usually with a loss. How can we bring about energy with our players and have them bring that same self-confidence and energy every practice and game? One, show energy yourself. When I come to the field every day, I have a challenge for my players to out-energy me. I'm going to bring that type of enthusiasm to my practice and games and watch it spread throughout your team like wildfire. It will. But if you're the guy that comes and sits on a bucket, if you're the guy that's going to sit off to the side and fold your arms and criticize your players in negative connotation, you're going to have players that, one, are going to resist that, they're not going to have positive energy, and you're going to see their performance begin to decline. So the second piece of that is I want to recognize what players do well. So again, we're going into criticizing players when we want them to be better at something. So point out the positive things that they're doing. And I try to do this in a hitting scenario quite a bit. For instance, I have a player that's having a hard time staying on the baseball with his front side. His tempo is poor. He's flying off the ball and getting around things. That one swing where I can get him to slow down his tempo or maintain his scap load. I want to point out right there, that is the positive swing or the positive rep that I want him to continue on into future reps. Stop it there on a positive one and tell him what he did well specifically. When you get into specific positive feedback, it goes further than negative feedback against something you're trying to change. So point that out with your players. Again, even when players are in a good streak, I think that's one of the most positive times you can also get a coaching moment out of. Think about what a player does when they're going really well. Usually, they're not thinking at all. It becomes very easy to them. So stop them at that point and say, why do you feel like it's so easy for you right now? Are you thinking a hundred different mechanical things in the batter's box? Are you thinking about your footwork approaching the ground ball? Or are you just being an athlete, clearing your mind, and letting your body react to the things it's been trained to do? So players, when they find that really good streak, whether it's defense or offense, point out that it's easy because they're letting their body just react. And we can do that as an athlete, oftentimes that's when we're at our best. We're not paralyzing ourselves with too many mechanical thoughts during competition. That's usually when it tends to go awry. So I think we need to point out positive influences on why our players are succeeding as much as when they're not succeeding. So that's my two things for you coaches this week. 
bring energy to practice. If you want your players to play with enthusiasm, excitement for the game, and come that way every single day, you better do it yourself. Number two, point out positive things in your players' performance, and it's going to go a lot further than your negative criticism on their actions. See more coaching points like this at EliteBaseball.tv. And until next week, this is Justin Stone, and we'll see you on the field. Great stuff, Justin. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Of course, now it's time for our weekly Ask Rick segment brought to you by St. Louis Pirates Nation and Blast Motion. Rick, take it away. Hey, Jim. Thank you for having me on the show again this week. Uh, always excited to come on the show and talk to you about and answer questions from the audience uh, about youth baseball and hopefully being able to impart some of my opinion and, and experiences on the show will be able to help some people uh, um, navigate through these um, uh, confusing times with, with a little bit uh, more clear advice when it comes to, uh, to youth baseball. The, the question of the week this week is actually an interesting one. It is a tough one, and I've kind of seesawed back and forth on it a few times. And um, But I'll take a shot at it today. And, to, and, and this uh, week's question has is regarding uh, So the question goes, hey, coach, how would you handle one of your players hitting a home run and doing a bat flip? And how would you handle the situation against – another team uh, if, if it was done against you. Um, tough question, the fact that you have to be very careful. Remember what we're doing. We're talking about young uh, men and women uh, or young boys and girls who are playing uh, the great sport of baseball, and and um, we just can't put ourselves in a situation where we're going to harm, you know, any one of these young young athletes. A few years ago, we had it happen to us, and I mean, I was absolutely furious. It was a high school coach coaching his uh, his kids, and you know, a well-respected guy, in my opinion, on the baseball side. And fourteen you game, and kid came up, and I mean, he hits his ball. It's about four hundred fifty. I won't say four fifty, but it was a impressive home run. And then he stood there, and he just watched it, you know, at the plate, and slowly jogged around the field, and. Um, you know, of course, I, I looked over at the dad, and the dad didn't say anything, dropped his head in celebration of his kid running around the base, no home run. A couple of hitters later, another kid came up, and he hit one. Dead center field, I mean, it's pretty, it's majestic, it's over Smithfield. And again, he, he sat there and looked at it. And, you know, for me, uh, at the youth age, I think the first thing kids ought to be taught, we want them to enjoy the game. And I think you enjoy the game from the process of kids on the field playing, you know, competing and, you know, trying to win, trying to do well as an individual. But I think we actually don't need at the youth levels to be respect, having kids, teaching kids to disrespect the game at this point. So I think there's probably a, a process in how your kids should play, and that is just to play hard. Uh, if you earn the right later on through your, what you accomplish at the youth levels in high school and on to college and if you get into pro ball, because you're selling entertainment dollars at this point in time, I understand the bad thing. But not at the youth levels. I mean, kids aren't really good enough to be able to go out and celebrate that way. Uh, and I think it shows, to me, a lack of character. Now, my background a little bit is, you know, I do scout, you know, part of a player development program and, uh, with a major league club. And, you know, one of the things, if you see kids acting like, like that, people can make the, the stretch that, you know, this kid's character may be an issue just because he's doing things that really probably aren't important to his overall development and want to be seen and, and 
you know, is he really a team player when a kid acts that way? So what we try to do with our players is to make sure we don't call attention to ourselves by doing something that could be viewed negatively. You know, we want our kids hustling on and off the field, wearing the uniforms right. We actually really big stickler on how they cut their hair. Not that we think that, you know, some guys will make decisions about that, but for us, if you have long hair and you have somebody coming out to watch you, maybe that person don't like boys with long hair at that point in time. Uh, and so we don't want that to be used against them. So bat flipping is at the youth levels for us is not going to be allowed. I did see a, a picture of one of my kids last week had a walk-off home run. I will talk to that young man as soon as I have an opportunity to see him, that we don't want to carry ourselves that way. Um, the only people that you're probably impressing is your friends and your um your parents at that point in time, if they allow you to do that. But when you get into this high stakes work, there's so limited uh, resources going out for college baseball at this point in time. If that's your goals and ambitions for that particular type of athlete, then we have to be very careful in how we, we present ourselves. We want to present ourselves in a business-like manner and then leave the, the bat flipping to the Jose Bautistas and the in the uh, Bryce Harpers of the world, and he should. And the reason why you leave it to them is because they are getting paid for entertainment dollars. We just don't, you know, I just don't, I'm a little bit old-fashioned that way, and I think our kids should keep their, their nose and to the ground and keep grinding and, and earn it right to, to be able to act in that manner. So uh, I will handle it accordingly, I'm sure, in our program and the kids that I, I deal with that will have some of that going on, but we'll address it right off the bat. We don't want our kids to be viewed that way. Uh, if, uh, if, for instance, they are able to go off and, and become, you know, stars and elite-level players at the collegiate and professional level, then more power to them. So that's how I would answer that question. For me, it's a no-go. We're not going to do anything that we feel like will be disrespectful uh, to their development process. There's a lot of state with the particular players that we have. And I just think kids need to learn how to play the game the right way before we start flipping the bats, learn how to – you know, get themselves the right cutoff area. You know, it's funny you, you, you ask me that question and then you see kids who, who don't know how to get a lead off, uh, who don't know how to get themselves in the right position on a double cut, but yet they can flip the bat. To me, that makes no sense. Learn how to play the game uh, and be the best player on the field, be the best player when it, when it comes to being evaluated by somebody other than your mom and pop and let them do the evaluation. People, real baseball people come out and say, this kid's a really good baseball player. Now, you, once you get to that point uh, and you've got people who are seeking your services at that point in time, then you might consider backflipping. But until then, uh, I'm not a big proponent of it. Thanks again, again, Jim, for having me on the show. I can talk about this subject because it's, it's uh, something that's near and dear to us as we try to teach kids how to play the game of baseball. Um, we want them to earn the right to be able to act uh, in the manner that the major league guys do. So uh, talk to you guys next week. Keep the questions coming. Awesome, as always. Really appreciate all our weekly contributors. Very uh, fortunate to have those for you guys here on Youth Baseball Talk. Uh, it's a great group that uh, truly does nothing but try to help the uh, the, the young baseball community. Uh, if you take the time to check them all out, I guarantee you'll be happy. Again, can't thank those guys enough. That's the Rope Report brought to you by theropetrainer.com and Dirtbag Sports. Uh, they're a great contributor. Kurt McNabb, obviously. Justin Stone, EliteBaseball.tv. And, of course, Rick Strickland from the St. Louis Pirates with his uh, Rick Strickland baseball and uh, swing rehab. Blast Motion, a great product that Rick uses that uh, really it's just unbelievable data that you can use if you really know what you're doing. So great to have all those guys. Great topic this week, my man. Really appreciate it. Um, it. Looking forward to next week's show. If we want to tease that one a little bit, I think um, 
you know, uh, this week's show, obviously the bat flip situation, but at the end of the day, I think what we were really talking about was the respect within the game of baseball that we need to be teaching. Um, you know, we're going to start with uh, a little tease for next week. When it comes to respect, people that deserve our respect, and it's going to be an odd conversation because, you know, we get upset a lot at these guys, and that's umpiring. We're going to talk a little bit about umpiring. Scapegoats. What, scapegoats. But at the same time, the standards that umpires should hold themselves to and their effect on the game of youth baseball that sometimes I don't think they understand their effect. Uh, I've talked about it on one of my other shows, but I'm going to be interested to get my partner's take on that. So, uh, Spiker, good stuff this week. Look forward to doing next week's show with you here real soon. Cannot wait. All right, uh, that's Spiker Helms. I'm Jim Cromer. This is Youth Baseball Talk. Make sure you go to youthbaseballtalk.com. Check out the podcast. Of course, it's the easiest way for you to subscribe. It is completely free. Follow us on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball. Hit us up on Facebook as well. Just type in Youth Baseball Talk. Like our page. Uh, Again, at the end of the day, we owe all of our success to you guys, the listeners. Uh, I can assure you there's nothing better you can do for us than to share uh, our content when you see it, whether it be on Twitter, Facebook. It's the way that we get our message out, out to all the youth baseball people out there. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.